Speaking of reliability, a podcast with good friends talking with you about reliability engineering topics. Welcome to Speaking of Reliability. This is Fred Schenkelberg. And this is Kirk Gray. Hey, Kirk. I understand you got an email the other day with a couple of interesting questions. Yeah, I have uh, somebody who contacted me and is about to start uh, what she's terming, uh, and and she took a a webinar on HALT, uh, an engineer, and um, started talking to me about doing a multiple environmental overstress test, M-E-O-S-T, which I heard of it after long after I worked with Greg Hobbs and Halt and Hass and uh, just read a presentation by ASQ on it uh, that's posted on the web, a slideshow, I think it's 2013, so I'm way back. But it's very, very, very similar. In fact, I didn't see a lot of differences between that and Halt in the way this individual at ASQ was describing it, and that is first first find out the individual well, given the old days of, of uh, Greg and, and the oh, I'm drawing a blank on who the other McLean no who's the other author Harry McLean Harry, Harry Harry and Greg they were suing each other who had this term and did that and, and, and so I can understand other authors just saying I'm skipping halt all together I'll write my own book <laughs> <laughs> well right and I you know we go to you talked about HP and Strife yeah. you know everybody's had some kind of stress test some some have used just burn in which we all know. Uh, in so, times it was. Right? It was, yeah. it was there, depending on the mechanism, you get lucky and it was a chemical mechanism, you'd probably have some acceleration. Yeah. But anyway, <laughs> yeah, there's lots of different terms for it. So anyway, well, right. M-O-E-S-T. I've seen in... Everybody has to have their own invented here thing. But what do you... Okay. But you understand from this, this question is that this is an application of what is similar to what we would call halt or has is they're setting halt. up a, they're setting up. Is it just halt? halt. Da -da 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 well, doing a screen? I think they run the two together. Halt and what it, what I consider two different uh, uh, processes. The halt is to find limits and find possible right. weaknesses. And, and, the screen is limit. and then the screen is using every uh, stress you can combined to accelerate fatigue damage right. to uh, determine. Well, I didn't get it from the question is, was, are they setting up a screen or are they just doing a test to f discover faults? Because part of the question was if you, could you predict what the faults will be? And I was like, well, that's a silly question. Yeah. That's Isn't that the point question. of doing the test is to figure exactly. out what they are? <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Can you point out what halt, what failures will occur in digital systems when you, uh, when you run MEOST, and I'm thinking, well, you know, first of all, you know, if I had to go look up what ME, but it's just another acronym that somebody came up with because, you know, Greg the other was ones were taken. <laughs> well, and Greg was sensitive about anybody using Halt and Hass, and yeah. you know, he wanted to take a royalty for anybody using that term, but he never did, and it became a general term and. As you've we've talked about before, people call something halt, and it's not when you talk to them what they're right. doing. Oh, right. So, so what, what was her question though? She's so trying to the set this thing is up over in a in a uh, overseas lab. Okay. Mm -hmm. And I've worked and been to uh, many labs in in Asia. Oh, I I get I get you know remote labs even across country, and it's hard enough. 
And I've also been part of a company that directed those companies overseas to do a halt test. And I would get back the reports saying this uh, diode or this resistor fell off at, you know, 5G's RMS. Exactly uh, as expected. <laughs> exactly as expected. And, you know, I'm going, no, you didn't expect it. You never knew. There's no specification for GRMS on the holding of a resistor or a device. In fact, I don't think any component has a vibration spec. Oh, well, some do. Yeah, yeah, like microphones and stuff like that. Well, yeah. But it's, things it's, with it's open parts. Yeah, exactly. men devices often do. But, but one of the issues is that I run into is that um, there's a logic to let those reports it's well it failed because it failed and so that's when we should expect it to fail and it's sort of that kind of logic if yeah. it failed that's when it's expected to fail exactly it was always over spec it's always over spec of course right i mean but that and that's the big challenge you get that walking across the room right you know? it's really it's really difficult to get the orientation of working from the perspective of the strength of materials and what strength of products can be or should be, can be, can be not, you know, they certainly have to meet the environmental uh, use and use uh, conditions. But the thing is not really thought about is the repeated worst case environmental stress conditions being. Well, it's not even repeated worst case. It can be pretty benign. And I, I found in halt that, I mean, vibrations, my favorite one is yeah. that if there's two set of materials on your product that are that can move relative to each other yeah um unless that's accounted for in the design it's usually a bad thing <laughs> you know you're going to get metal filings where you don't want them you're going to get wearing of, of insulation where you don't want it you're going right. to get shorting where you don't want it you're right. going to get parts uh, fatigue cracking and falling off you know you get right. anything that can move that uh, and it's a completely different mechanism than just temperature, right? With diffusion and chemical processes. Right. But it's right. it's one of the things I found in Hull, especially the vibration part, is that vast majority of people think, well, I put the part on the board, it's soldered, it's not going anywhere. And it's <laughs> it's a four pound device sitting two inches up on two little spindly leads. You know, you should be able to predict that that is just not going to work. This thing's going to be a great big mass right. floating all over the place. Right. And, and that's why uh, halt vibration was so effective on power supplies because yeah. they're so three dimensional. Whereas you get a flat circuit board or, you know, you try and uh, just think of an iPhone uh, internal circuit board oh, you it's know packed like a brick and yeah they, it's, they, like a, it's like a solid yeah. they couldn't put conformal coating in there because there's no room i i would be curious is how long you know you could run a halt repetitive shock table against those i think it would be quite a long time oh i don't know just give it to a teenage you know one of our uh, urinized uh, teenage yeah, we know and, we know it breaks we yeah. know that the glass breaks okay yeah. and water is a problem has been a problem but yeah. water is not getting, so much not so much anymore yeah no they're getting better but anyway so she's trying to do this remotely and I think there's just cultural approaches to dealing with failures some people explain in a way well it failed well of course it failed Right, as opposed to we tested a lot of other products of this type, 
and they're all capable of going to 70C or 80C or 150C, well, then you whatever. Get the, well, that was, you know, one in a thousand that's bad in production or that was the <laughs> faulty vendor or that's, yeah. you know, whatever. Okay. Um, We'll we'll discount that one because we have to show that they all pass. So get another right. unit. Right. I actually ran into that once in a lab, and it was like in the factory I was working in. Yeah. Was, I said, "What are you doing?" He says, "Well, we have to keep testing it until it passes." <laughs> says, How many times do you test it? Well, until it passes. I know. Sometimes it takes a couple of days. No, <laughs> like, and that's no. and that's it. You know, when you tell them it's a test, they look at it as a pass, as right. opposed to a discovery process, which right. is what an alt is, and then has is a test. Yeah. Pass is a test. It's a screen. It's a better it's name a for it. It's a screen. Okay. Screen, uh, something that if uh, It's going to filter have... out the good from the bad. I, I like the term screen. Whereas test, and I had that discussion with Greg way back when. It's like, why do you call it a test? Because people immediately think they can pass it. And right. It's all they don't understand. And he says, well, change the name. Oh, I wrote right. the book. <laughs> <laughs> no. Greg was very hard to... he. I, you know, and, and I think uh, people that are really inventive and, and have a lot of ideas and get a success with certain ideas believe they, they really are in, invincible. And, and Greg, I had many, many conversations where I said, no, don't say that anymore, Greg. That's not really that's not really the case. And he would still use it. Uh, but he he, uh, you know, didn't come up with any um, ideas about how. I believe one of those strong things, especially with all oh, so many systems really being digital now, uh, is the thermal uh, interaction and timing and mm -hmm. voltage and using that in the halt uh, methodology approach and step stress and uh, boundary uh, comparisons, what I call uh, lim boundary limit uh, comparison mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and and using that to uh, understand the variation in the product or uh, how you can more finely tune a screen to um, filter out or to screen out those uh, systems that uh, are, you know, first of all, halt is to build a more robust system. Yeah. Once you've, once you've done that, then you apply as many, um, uh, unique stresses combined to make a, a short as possible screen that discriminates with... Uh, well, and it's aimed at helping you get the production line and supply chain up and running. Right, and, and you hope you don't do it very long. You That's don't right. want to yeah, run it. It's not something permanent. But no, one of the things, that, but in this question that you got, she was talking about, you know, trying to set this stuff up. And so one of the barriers was the working with a remote team that just right. doesn't want to recognize uh, or is blind to this is a useful bit of information is as opposed to right. passing the test. And that's, I've seen that all over the place. That's just one of the biggest hurdles to getting people to understand this concept. And a little bit is cultural, I believe. And the fact seen it all I over mean, the place. You've seen it all over the place. Maybe. Yes. You said you're in European countries. They know everything and they, you know, and then, and that's true. Every, in fact, everybody knows everything. That's why, you know, the advanced, advanced engineering department at storage tech called it smart testing, stress margin and robustness testing. Okay. This is another, <laughs> another know, name. We only do smart testing. Well, HP, we did strife. We called it something stress completely different. Life. Stress, yeah. 
stressed life or whatever. Yeah. No, it was, you know, so there's lots of ways to do it. So what's the, what was the, she had another question and she, it was. Oh yeah. This. How do you test a, how do you test for a photodiode, uh, potentially a photodiode failure or a photodiode? Well, the only a, answer when I read that question was how do you t test this photodiode for avalanche photodiode for failure? And they're like, well, <laughs> how does it yeah. fail? What's yeah, yeah you, are you talking as a catastrophic failure? Then you can do a neat uh, failure analysis on the device itself, you know? Yeah. Or is it uh, it's a, is part it a of victim the system? of something else? Did the power supply surge it and it got overstressed and it failed? Or did it manufacture it incorrectly? Or are you right. Or did you design it too tightly for the variation in the photodiodes uh, parametrics, you know? Yeah. Was it, is it, uh, is there's too much variation in the manufacturing? Are you spray painting the surfaces so that it can't see anything? <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah, what, what's the fail? I mean, how do you test anything? It's, and it, one was, well, what's the, what's the point? Right. What are you trying to learn? Right? And if you don't know why it's failing, that's what you're focused on yeah. is you've got to reproduce it. If it's intermittent, that's, that's a real challenge. It is a real But challenge. I guarantee that you, there is some stress out there that will induce that intermittent to be more frequent be very frequent yeah or in fact you can do it every single time you put that stress in well you got to understand i think that's the first part before you run a test i i'm a big advocate of the testing is your last resort because it's expensive and it's a crapshoot whether exactly. you get good information because we never get enough samples kind of thing well testing is a last resort but you, you need to do the due diligence. To go, you can't just say, all right, we're going to throw it in some chambers. And you've heard that before. We've got a new product. Let's throw it in some well, chambers and see what right. happens. And no, you need, to know, you need to do a better analysis, a failure analysis. You need to do an understanding, you know, either from your past products or whatever. Or literature search or talk to the vendors if they're going to, you know, talk to you about it. Or, or, unless you're just out of college, you've been in a company that's had failures. If yeah. you've worked, you know, more than five years in any electronic manufacturing company or assembly, you know of many failures, probably. Also, it takes us a week. What are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> well, depending on how bad they are, but yeah. yeah. So, well, I think it's that's not the that's not the right phrase there, Kirk. Is not is how bad they are. It's, it's how good are they? Are they recognizing failures and doing something? <laughs> exactly. With it? You know, so if if the Charter is, well, we got to test this so that we don't have these problems. Is that a screen, right? Or are you evaluating different vendors' options, which ones meet right. your requirements? Exactly. What is it you're a trying to accomplish? Vendor? Yeah. Exactly. It, what is it you're exactly. trying to accomplish? What is the exactly. test supposed to reveal or provide right. information on? Right. It, it's not just, oh, how do I test these things? I, I'm thinking no, of what, what's the value? Right. You know, like capacitors. Um, yeah. There's somebody asked me a couple of weeks ago, and I mentioned it to um, a couple <laughs> other hosts. Is is there a, a listing of all the failure mechanisms? You know, from material science point of view. And I'm like, <laughs> no. <laughs> there's there's books and books and books just on on polypropylene, right? Of all the ways that it can be shaped and formed and processed and everything else, and all the various ways it can fail, and where it works and where it doesn't work. That's how material science thinks, is what's its boundaries, where it's useful and not useful, what are the properties and how do they behave. But it doesn't have an index of all the failure mechanisms. No, and, and the that's permutations, just, 
you know, you can get a PhD just on polypropylene, you know, and it's right. just a raw material. And then you, you can have a PhD just on one alloy of, of you know, of steel. And it's like also saying how, how, how many ways can this process go wrong? <laughs> it's only got one step, Kirk. Yeah. It's only got one step. How many yeah, ways yeah. going around? Oh, about 50. Uh, yeah, about <laughs> 50. Look at that we can think of. Yeah, you've got, you know, somebody supplying the chemicals, somebody supplying, you know, and each one of them has a, in a long supply chain, you know. Oh, like geez. Yeah, just, one an of the... I, just an IC, for instance. You've got epoxies. You've got lead frames. You've got wire bonds. I mean, that's just one tiny little device. Well, just use the epoxy, the overcoat, the little black right. overcoat, right? It's right. black it's... because there's uh, carbon black in it. And then, then the, and there's also um, uh, uh, flame retardant in it. And one of the biggest failures we ever had I ran across, it was just class across all kinds of components, but it's the, the epoxy, you see, the IC vendor would buy the epoxy to apply. Right. Once they put the chip down, they'd goop this stuff on it and cure it. But they would buy the epoxy and the epoxy people um, would blend it with this flame retardant, which they bought from somebody else. And the flame retardant people, um, for whatever reason, changed the mesh size so that they had different particle sizes. So this yeah. is four steps up from yeah. where we're trying to assemble these things, right? Right, and there's no way we were going to go investigate the vendors, vendors, vendor, you know, to exactly. sort out their process. Exactly, and it was just ridiculous how far back it went through. But right. it was amazing that you know everybody in the chain cooperated and, and did due diligence, and and right. we actually were able to sort it out. But it was absolutely phenomenal. You're exactly right. Just a simple thing like just the overcoating, the right. encapsulant for right. thing is amazingly complex in and of itself. Right. And and that's not even talking about the IC and all the ways it can fit. <laughs> you know? And as yeah, mismatches of uh, TCEs uh, that, you know, those epoxies are very proprietary as far as, uh, you know, making sure the expansion, mm -hmm. uh, is, is, uh, correlates with the chip, you know, so that there's not a differential in expansion. Yep. Um, but, uh, yeah, it's, you know, as that now the flip chip makes it a little different. I mm -hmm. don't know the mechanisms there, but if you just, you know, you're talking about now mounting the sub, the chip right onto the board yeah. skip all that package yeah exactly and then of course that makes it more reliable in general and that you know well, we've the, seen more those in calculators for years they would do a bare chip on the board yeah and, and just put a dab of epoxy over the top of the whole thing right right and it was that's been around for decades and decades i know and conformal coatings things like that yeah. so anyway but she's trying to set up a test for some diode and it's there in my mind the standards bodies saying, oh, well, like, like in our last episode, I talked about the guy that said for capacitor, for di or, uh, crystals, to make sure they're robust, we're going to drop it 10 times on the carpet. <laughs> and if it's still good, it's still good. And I'm like, okay. And it's probably a standard someplace, but mm -hmm. it's, the standard might give you the process or procedure to apply stresses to something, but I think it's the engineer's responsibility to figure out, well, what stresses are we applying? Will this excite the failure mechanisms that we're interested in learning about, like doing a halt, or will it excite failure mechanisms that we know exist, like in a screen or a comparison? And so to answer a question is, how do I test these things? 
well, start with what you're trying to accomplish and then back yeah. up for how do you create an experiment, not a test, an experiment that would create the results that you're expecting to see. And if you don't see those, well, maybe that condition doesn't exist or you have a good part or a bad part that doesn't have that feature or whatever, but you have to design your test like an experiment with right. starting with your hypothesis right up front. And right. so many people, we all learned that in school, but did we all sleepwalk through it? Come on. It still applies. <laughs> well, right. And it, and it's very important that you know, right, what it is that you're trying, you know, you know the underlying physics of the failure or whatever it is. You may be blaming it on a diode when it's actually the power uh, supply. Power supply or something in the in, right that it's attached to. So it's just, and I didn't get the feeling that this was understood as a hard failure mm -hmm. or an intermittent failure. Uh, you know, operational limit only or li well, limit. Is phase. this a part Resetable. of failure analysis or is this part of process? Yeah. You know, control thing or what are you? How is to it do? right? How is it determined that this might be the component that's a problem? Yep. And there's just so many questions you start asking and, you know, I, it's, it's almost impossible to do it on a, a, an email type exchange or even a discussion. I had to, you really have to have your hands on it. You have to look at the device. You have to open it up. You have mm -hmm. to see what it's attached to, what the circuit is. <laughs> I'm getting older. I don't know if I'm getting older, Kirk, because I can't see as well as these components <laughs> or the components are getting smaller. I suspect yeah, it's a little bit well, above. <laughs> right. Phone has gotten so incredibly small that, you know, without a microscope, you're lost. Yeah. Uh, you know, like an 0402 component tinier than a grain of sand. It's well, you got stuff that's half that size. It's oh, two something, I, you know. Right. They changed the scale on the second right. two numbers. Yeah, it's something that a human couldn't put together. It's now the, the you know, uh, pick and place and all that. that uh, you couldn't even see it. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and, uh, so it's amazing. But uh, I, I, I just say that you first have to understand what you're trying to I mean, what the mechanism is, what's causing the failure. Then you're trying to determine the uh, the best way to stimulate that failure, and then compare that with if you if this you know with with past product or this if this is dial was used or, in yeah. another product and wasn't a problem, yeah. then go to some of those old diodes or something and and see if it's a manufacturing variation that's just yeah or is it a design issue i mean it, it opens up so many oh it's it, right it's just it's and it takes a lot and especially if you're trying to do this to a remote lab halfway across the world you're not it's i just i think it, it just attenuates everything by about 80 percent in trying to get an efficient uh test developed I, they can do it i i've known Certain uh, groups over there uh, that that are really motivated by this. Well, you have to find one or two champions that's kind of in sync. You know, like especially if you're trying to do a halt remotely, is you got to have somebody on site that says we really want to find failures. Right, exactly. <laughs> and we want to do the failure analysis. We want you to have do this to have thing. a champion on site to lead the team to look at it from the frame of reference of discovery. Yep. Not to pass the test or, yep. you know, it's just, it's, it's a whole different and it's cultural not just, orientation. It's, yeah, and it's not just halt that I've run into that problem. It's, it's uh, sending products back to a vendor in that universal. Is right. Like, well, it's not our fault. 
right. You know, you right. did something wrong. You get one of the five standard answers. <laughs> and the issue is, is that, well, this is too much work. I'm not going to bother with it. Or they don't have the resources to do it because we've stripped them all of all profit, basically. So they can't hire a, an yeah. engineer to do it. But anyway, I dig us. So hopefully you got an answer back to, to her, her questions. And, and some of what we talked about made sense. There were but... more questions, George. <laughs> it's like <laughs> 2,500 more questions I'd have to ask. But, yeah. you know. It reminds me, just quickly, that, you know, one of the vendors, when we, they sent back power supplies, one of my, the big company's vendors, mm -hmm. when they sent back power supplies, you, if they found a customer-induced failure, CIF, mm -hmm. they would, uh, you know, not credit uh, the company. They would not mm -hmm. refund money to the, and, and one of them, you know, they would even do it if they saw a pencil mark or pencil writing on the power, outside of the power supply. Oh, really? <laughs> That lead would that lead would be custom yeah, CIF, that would be a, you know, no they, warranty. Anything expense. they could identify, uh, you know, a cosmetic flaw on the outside of the, they they, you know, they put it into the, yeah. Well, of course they would. So you know, looking into the power supply and investigating any further was probably not something they did very often. Not that I saw. Yeah, it's amazing. Yeah, no, that's probably a whole other episode. Yeah, the, uh, <laughs> okay. working with vendors failure analysis. Um, some are better than others, but we'll leave it at that. So anyway, uh, got a couple of good questions there. If you've got questions and usually Kirk and I end up with way more questions on, especially how do I test something and something like that just kind of blows yeah. up. But if you've got questions, uh, let us know, head over to ascendoreliability.com slash go slash S O R. And you can leave us a message there, or you can get a hold of Kirk or I, or the other hosts of the show through LinkedIn or through our about pages. So plenty of ways for you to get in touch. One of the things we really do enjoy is fielding questions from people in the works, you know, yep. doing day-to-day -day stuff and, right. and making progress. And so we learn a little bit about what's going on and what the challenges are that we're facing. And you get some, uh, another perspective, not always a straight answer, but usually a, <laughs> a way to look at a problem, if not uh, good resources or references to, to pull from. Uh, so part of our charter with this podcast is to talk about reliability, talk shop and help each other learn as we go. So we'd like to invite you to join the conversation. So with that, Kirk, I, I think we'll, we'll head off for the rest of our day and see what happens. Okay, Fred, you have a good one. And uh, we look forward to hearing from our listeners for more questions. Yep, definitely. Thanks, Kirk. Okay. Thanks, Fred. Bye. Thanks for listening to Speaking of Reliability. We invite you to join the conversation if you have a question or a topic that you think we should discuss in a future show please let us know. You can find a comment box below the episode show notes or just leave a note as part of a review on iTunes.